Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's a lot of end friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. known fact about my guest today, fairy tales really do come true. She went to an open call to be the star of Hairspray Live for NBC, and she got it. That's it. That's the little known fact. A-OK. Hey, everyone. Today, my guest is Maddie Ballio. Maddie co-stars in the live-action remake of Cinderella for Amazon. She's a trained musical theater actress who first burst onto the scene as Tracy Turnblad in NBC's Hairspray Live after beating out thousands of other performers for the role. She also stars in the Netflix film Dumplin'. She's an accomplished vocalist who's performed in the Kennedy Center, Carnegie Hall, Lincoln Center, and many other places. And you have one of the most amazing stories of any of my guests. And I'm so excited to have you here because I know you're sort of here because of Cinderella, but I need to go way back before we even get to Cinderella, if that is okay with you. Of course. Let's start at the very beginning. <laughs> that is a very good place to start. But literally, like, you have one of those fantasy fairy tale stories. And I think people forget that the discovery and the job can only happen when the person is so prepared for that crazy moment to occur in their lives. So. <laughs> I heard the siren. New York siren just went by. Um, can you just tell me how your love uh, for musical theater and performing was born? Of course. Well, I, I started doing gymnastics. That was my first hobby. And um, it, it actually wasn't a, a great hobby because I didn't like it. Um, so my mom noticed that I liked mimicking sounds, that I loved singing. Um, I would listen to Kelly Clarkson and I knew every word of every song. And so she took me to see Wicked. That was my first Broadway show to see ever. And um, after the show, I didn't know that you could Google or ask Jeeves the lyrics to songs. So I got the album. And I listened to every word and wrote down every word of every song. And so, I mean, Adina and Kristen, I mean, we'll get there, but that's a full circle moment for me. 
Um, and so I started getting into community theater and choir and growing up, I just, I got every role in, in every show that I wanted to. And so um, when I went to college, it was the same story there. And then my first professional audition was, was Hairspray. And um, at the time, I, my college didn't allow um, us to audition outside of school. And I've always been a, a rule breaker. And so I did it anyway. And it was an open call. I saw on, um, on Facebook that there was an open call for Tracy Turnblad, which was one of my dream roles. Um, and so I went to Bernie Telsey and I did the thing. And four callbacks later, I got it. And I mean, this is a really fast forward version of my story. <laughs> but um, as I said, like I, I got every part that I wanted to in high school and in college. And then after Hairspray, I realized once I'm in this big world, this giant entertainment world, it's not going to be like that all the time. But I'm very blessed to, to have the career that I've had thus far. So when you, first of all, where did you grow up? I grew up in Houston, Texas. Okay. Um, yes. And were there like artistic people in your family? Were you um, singing with other members of your family or was this just your thing? Yeah, absolutely not. No, no, nobody in my family. So, well, my mom, she sang at a wedding. She sang um, um, a song. What was it? Um, oh, she sang Sunrise, Sunset. And her dad told her to to really pronounce uh, every every um, syllable, and it was it was really bad. So she never sang again after that. Um, I know, but I was always surrounded with music. My grandpa loved um, the Great American Songbook um, style of music, and and they showed me Cats uh, when I was when I was young, and I fell in love with Grizabella, and that's still my dream role to this day, um, which is you know, controversial. You either love cats or you hate cats, but I love it. And um, so I would, I just grew up around, you know, jazz and musical theater. And in high school, I actually auditioned for a competition called the Great American Songbook Competition, where the winner, they become um, the Great American Songbook Youth Ambassador. And the legend, Michael Feinstein, became, became my mentor. And he took me to sing, um, you know, songs, uh, you know, Judy Garland and Frank Sinatra and, and Broadway classics that, like you said, at, at Carnegie Hall and Lincoln Center. And so that really prepared me um, to perform on bigger stages at such a young age. So did you go to school when you, when you showed up to the auditions? they were in New York City. Were you yes. already in New York? Yes, I was in New York studying musical theater at Marymount Manhattan College. Okay. So, yeah, which, I mean, school is not, was not for me, was not for me. It never was. Um, but I, I'm thankful uh, to have, to have been in New York City to, to really just be there and not, not having gone, you know, by myself um, with no friends, no community. So I, I'm grateful that I had that. Um, yeah, I was in New York. And like I said, I saw a, an ad on Facebook that there was a cattle call for Tracy, no, no pun intended, um, for Tracy. And I was number like, I think 434 in line. And I was in a sweater and pants and, and all of these other, a lot of the other girls were in you know dresses and they had wigs on. And 
I went in there, total imposter syndrome. I still suffer with imposter syndrome. I just don't believe, you know, I'm grateful for everything that, you know, my journey has brought me and the people who are in my life um, who believe in me, but um, they're still, you know, a part of me. And I, and I know that a lot of actors struggle with that as well, but, um, but I went in there, I faked it till I made it and it happened. <laughs> so a lot of us sort of, um, you know, there was like the reality show about the casting of Legally Blonde. There are, yeah. there are now sort of ways in which we're documentaries about the revival of a chorus line. Like, like there's a little bit of access on YouTube and other places to the process of these huge, huge auditions where they open them up to everyone. They don't have to be agent submissions as it were, which is why you could go there. Tell me about, um, the stress level for you, or was it just so all seemingly impossible that, that you weren't even stressed? Like, what was your experience in that? Well, I was, I was pretty confident, um, in my, my vocal ability. So I knew that going into this open call, we just had to sing, you know, a a verse and a chorus of good morning, Baltimore. And I knew that I could do that. And it's, and it's funny, actually, Bernie Telsey said, okay, great. That was, that was a great um, audition. Now, can you sing this part of the song that has the key change? And, and I didn't know that part of the song. In fact, I sang Good Morning Baltimore when I was eight years old in, in a community theater um, competition thing. And I had never forgotten the lyrics to anything ever on stage, except for that one part in Good Morning Baltimore. And that's the part that Bernie wanted me to sing. And so I made up, I made up the lyrics and um, it, it worked out, but I just, I've, I've always struggled with, with severe anxiety. Um, so, you know, that was, it's always hard. Auditions are always difficult for me. And especially these self tapes, man, it is, it is way easier in a, in a, in a face-to-face environment, but. Even though yeah. the reason Maddie mentioned self-tapes is she was literally doing a self-tape right before <laughs> we started talking today. So you don't feel like having the control of doing it home alone with a friend or however you figure out how to do said self-tape takes away some of the anxiety that sometimes can happen in a room filled with other people? Um, well, I really... I, I take direction well, or at least I, I like to think I do. And so when I'm doing a self-tape, I'm thinking, oh, d- d- would they like this? Is this what they want for the part? What's going on? And I, the thing for Cinderella, um, I, I auditioned in person and I didn't hear back for, for two months um, whether you know it was going to happen or not. And, and all of a sudden I get a call um, from my manager saying that Kay Cannon, the director and the writer of the film, um, really enjoyed my tape and that she wanted me to read with with two other um, girls who were to play possibly play my my sister and um, and so it, it was really nice to hear what she liked about you know my audition and so I can incorporate that into into the um, the test um, but yeah self tapes are so awkward and sometimes I can't find a reader so I will literally, take my voice memos out on my phone, record myself, leave a space, which is so robotic, you know? So I love reading with, with someone, especially who knows the material well. 
Right. So you're a collaborative yeah. artist. That's what totally brings you joy. Although I always find it amazing how many brilliant performers also suffer from anxiety because there's this pretense about people who do things in public that that's what they thrive on without any negative aspect of the of that part of them also creeping in and so I always sort of feel like it's so um happy making for me which is a funny phrase to use when people Mm. share the reality that yes I have this gift and this love of storytelling but it also comes with um great risk for me at the same time yeah yeah and I I had a lovely conversation with Adina um Adina Menzel who who plays my mom in in Cinderella um about how she you know has worked through um you know have imposter syndrome and anxiety and I that just blew my mind because I mean she's still so confident in herself and in her work and and just with her, you know, being my idol, my, my, my everything growing up, um, it just, it just kind of blew my mind and it made me more comfortable and, and made me realize, okay, I can do this even with these, these internal struggles. Um, and Marissa Jarrett Winoker, who was, you know, Tracy and she won the, she won the Tony award for, for that role. Um, right after I got the part, um, she was in New York for a bit at Matthew Morrison's place. And she invited me over and she just talked about her experience, um, with Tracy and performing and, and just gave me so much life and love and comfort and, um, I owe her a lot for, you know, for everything. Well, there's such a legacy with that part with Ricky Lake and Marissa and you. And and I want to talk a little bit about, you know, so much of the conversation around you and that part. And you've been so open about it, as have all the women who've played this role, has to do with sort of being a certain type. And Mm -hmm. what an incredible you know, beginning with the, the John Waters film and then moving on into the musical, what an incredible opportunity it is for performers who don't fit a certain mold um, that we think of when we think of the the typical, in quote, unquote, um, ingenue or, right. you know, centerpiece of of a big piece of theater or film. And so, first of all, growing up, did you feel pressure? Because if you're watching all the the musicals, whether you're in the theater or seeing them on your computer or however you have access, um, or the Tony Awards or all the ways in which people who don't grow up in New York have access to Broadway, um, there aren't a lot of roles like Tracy. And Mm -hmm. so did you feel a pressure to change who you were so that you could be available for more parts? Or did you feel like the world is ready for me and I'm going to, I'm going to let them see me exactly the way I am? Well, I mean, I, ever since I was a a child, I've always been a little fatty (laughs) and I, and I'm reclaiming that word. We're reclaiming that word because it's just a fact, you know, we don't have to have any negative connotation to, for, to the word. Um, but I really was never truly comfortable in my body. I was, I was bullied a lot. Um, and then I got the part of Tracy and people, 
I realized we're, we're talking about my body and it was mind blowing to me that I was being perceived <laughs> at all. And, um, and so that was a really tough journey that I had to really, you know, go, walk through with, with a therapist uh, very quickly. Cause I was just thrown into this world. Um, and, and, and I was automatically just, um, named, you know, a body positivity, like person in, in social media and for children. And, and, um, that was, that was really tough, but, um, you know, I, that's, that's when I started to, you know, see, you know, Marissa and, and, and have conversations with Ricky Lake, um, about their struggles and their, um, their, their coming to love their bodies. And that really helped. And, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I Do you feel was, like this part, the part of Tracy helped yeah. you to love your body. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause Tracy is just so confident in her body and I wanted to be just like Tracy. And, and as an actor, um, I really, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work on this also, I become the character. And so, um, I, I did feel like I was Tracy for years after being in that role and which was honestly a, a great experience because like I said, she is so confident um, and just light and she loves her body. Um, and so that, that really did help me a lot. Yeah. It came, that role came at the right time. I, how old were you when you got cast in Hairspray? I was 19. I was oh God, 19. A baby. It was the, I, yes. It was yeah. the day after I stopped, I um, completed my sophomore year of college. And, and did you not go back to college after that? Job? Oh, I did not. I did okay. not. No. And, and I want to ask when, when something like that, that was sort of at the beginning of these live Broadway extravaganzas coming to network television. Yeah. Um, what happens when you are suddenly plucked out of obscurity, um, certainly famous where you grew up and in your, in your world or in your college environment, which can feel like the whole world when you're in it, but now actually you're like, oh no, this actually is the whole world. What, and Jerry Mitchell, um, you know, I know from working with him on Charlie Brown, he is devoted to making sure that every single person feels like a dancer, even if they've never danced a day in their life. Um, yes. will not let anyone feel uh, unready or like uncomfortable in, in the movement that he puts on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm only imagining that, that you were taken care of in terms of the creative side of things, but then there's the machine. Um, what happens? You get cast. They literally do yeah. this thing where you read it's on YouTube. Like you, they, they pretend you have a new, you know, new sides to read. Is that a real thing or was that a, a made up thing that you were no, aware of? That was a real thing. So I, I had this fourth callback. Um, they had put me in a wig and I had no idea how many other girls were still a part of the process. There, there were none. It was just me. Um, and they, they didn't tell me that um, until um the director walks in with an envelope and in the envelope, he says that there's, there's a part of the script that Harvey Firestein wants you to read. And so read that directly into the camera. I'm like, this is odd. I don't, I don't know what's going on here. And so I opened up like in the video, I, I opened up in um, the envelope and it says, 
Maddie Balio is cast as Tracy Turnblad in Hairspray Live. And that was the most surreal moment. It was the most surreal moment because I mean, I mean, it was, it was my dream role. And then I called my mom. I had to tell her I screamed, I cried. And then Jerry Mitchell and everyone, they were so welcome and loving. And, and I, and I expressed to Jerry, look, I'm not, I'm not the greatest dancer. I don't know if I fooled you to this point, but, <laughs> but I'm going to need, I'm going to need some help. And he immediately, he said, you know, in two weeks, we'll have, we'll have a couple of weeks together and we could do we can work on all of the choreography so you'll be prepared when you go to LA and you're working with all of these professional dancers and, and you know Kristen Chenoweth and, and Ariana and Jennifer you know so you'll feel comfortable and I mean you're the star of the show you're the lead of the show and so I want you to feel comfortable you're you know the ingenue and and so he was oh my gosh he was just wonderful and I felt so prepared and he made me feel like a dancer. <laughs> okay so you just mentioned Jennifer, Kristen, and Ariana, even if you were, I don't know, like remotely interested in musical theater or had like once heard that there's something called musical theater, those three names are as iconic as it gets. So you're suddenly walking into a room in earnest um, with the people who inspired you, whose voices were in your headphones, because they were still headphones at the time, um, pre-AirPods, for your whole life, I would imagine. So how do you, Mm -hmm. what's, okay, I mean, even if it were just Ariana Grande, even if it was just from the pop world, like crazy. Yes, Um, crazy. So what's, how's that? It's still, I'm still wrapping my mind around it because like we said, I was just thrown into this world and I'm meeting all of my, these icons. And so it's, it's blurry. It still is. So this is kind of like therapy for me right now. I'm remembering. Um, But, you know, I I was, I was always obsessed with Ariana's riffs and, and, and just, she's just such an amazing talent. And so we had the table read, you know, for, and that's the first time that I met everyone. And I'm sitting right next to Ariana and Jennifer's on my other side and Ariana and I are holding hands (laughs) almost the whole time during the table read. And I'm just in awe and Jennifer, you know, she's, she's belting. She's, she never, she's always full out every single time. And, um, and, you know, even in the show um, she's, we're holding hands during um, I know where I've been, you know, her huge song. And it, every time it was just an out of body experience. I'm trying so, so hard to stay present, but you know, it's, they were just, it, it was just incredible. And same with um, Adina um, and, and Cinderella. Um, she was like my number one person. <laughs> I, I just, I can't get it. Even to this day, I'm still fangirling over her. And then there's though, another pop, like iconic yes. young pop star with Camila Cabello. So it's, yes. it's, it's heady. And yet, I don't know, like after you do that, after you hold your own in your very first job out of the gate where you are in ensemble, actually the star, it is an ensemble piece, but you're the centerpiece of this thing with the most seasoned, beloved professionals. Um, You also have the NBC network machine sort of really enjoying the fact that they've cast an unknown. I don't know if that was, was that always the plan that they were going to find an unknown or did it just turn out that that's, I mean, I, how do you think that was decided upon? 
Well, I know they did that with Shanice Williams um, for The Wiz, mm-hmm. um, and that was a success. So maybe that model. was the plan for me. Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it was. <laughs> did family members go with you to L.A.? You weren't a minor, but it was a very heady thing, I imagine. So were you on your own suddenly? I was on all the way on my own, but it didn't feel like it because everyone was, you know, just so loving and, and Ephraim Sykes, um, who played seaweed, who was in Hamilton on Broadway, he was staying at the same place as me. Um, I believe it was called Oakwood, which is like a rite of passage (laughs) for young, for young artists in LA. Or like Um, divorced men, sad divorced (laughs) men. It's like, (laughs) sad divorced. Yeah, exactly. They're so like we're corporate, it's corporate housing in LA for those of you yes. who haven't been lucky enough to stay at the Oakwood <laughs> apartments. Yeah. And I would go back again in a heartbeat. Exactly. Now, Ephraim and I, you know, we would, we would spend time in, you know, the hot tub and we would, you know, we, we, we were all just so connected with each other. I'd have sleepovers with Ariana and, you know, we just, we just loved each other so much. And Marissa said, you know, this, this is going to be the coolest experience you'll ever have. And I didn't know what she meant at the time, but now I do because there's truly, there's truly nothing like it um, in the, in the film, in the film world. Cause it, cause it was theater. It was theater. And, and it's just such a unique experience that I don't think anything will ever compare. So what happens the day, I mean, it's live, which is bananas. Not only do you have to do it, but it's, do you do it? Is there like a pre, how does it work? How does live really work? Have you pre-recorded any of the songs? Are you singing everything live? What, can you tell us a little bit of the behind the scenes? Right. So we, we, we pre-recorded the songs for the album, but for the actual show, everything is completely live. Um, <laughs> um, and we Were actually there mishaps? There were there were a few mishaps. Um, Can you like, share that? You know, yes, of course. Every you know, it, it's just <laughs> there are so many things that could go wrong. So I'm grateful that you know the things that did go wrong were, were minor. But um, there was a part in uh, Mama, I'm a Big Girl Now where um, me, Dove, and, and Ariana, we are all having our little separate little moments, and the light just doesn't make it to me it's not that I couldn't find my light it's that there was no light um so that that was one of the mishaps and then in good morning Baltimore my mic cut out a couple of times but the good thing is um the the version that we'll have for eternity um has been fixed a little bit because the night prior to the actual show um we recorded that one as well but this was my first time with cameras. I've always been, you know, a theater girl. And so we, it, it, it was like doing um, a stage show um, for, you know, all the, all of, all of the rehearsals. Um, we had six different sound stages. And so we would go, you know, on, on little golf carts to and from the stages. And three days before we actually did the show is when they incorporated the cameras. And it was like a dance. And I didn't have to change anything really because we've been doing the same thing over and over again. And the cameras just found their way around us. Talk a little bit about Harvey Firestein and and what that relationship was. Oh, Mama Firestein, Mama Firestein. Um, Harvey was just such a light and still to this day is still so encouraging and um, makes sure that 
you know, I'm feeling inspired and encouraged. Um, and, you know, he, 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 I don't think he ever missed a show on, on Broadway, if, if that's, if I'm thinking, if that's correct. Um, and he, he was always just so present and hilarious on his feet, on his toes all the time. And I loved, um, we did a, a little um, exercise before we actually started getting into rehearsals where he and I talked as Tracy and, and Edna with each other for for about an hour, just about, you know, we're just improving. And that was, that was, he was, he's just amazing. What happens the day after you film Hairspray Live? Like, how do you go on with life? Like, <laughs> how do you like, you've done it, right? Like what yeah. is bigger than that for you? So how do you then go, okay, well, what's next? <laughs> So nothing broke, nothing sprained, right? You were healthy (laughs) physically after the show. I was healthy. I was healthy. I was on cloud nine. I wouldn't have changed anything about the show. It all went according to plan and even better. And so um, right after the show, we had an after party at at Ariana Grande's house. And um, I I just chatted with with Marty. Like, okay, this was, yeah, yeah, with Martin Short and, and and Jennifer and we were all there and and um and I was just I was I had my first kiss that night <laughs> at 19 years old and it was it was just the best day ever and so I thought I'm I don't know what this. your little known fact is for the end of the show but you really don't need one <laughs> because that's a really good one Oh, good. Hear that, world? First kiss at yes. Hairspray Rap Party at yes. Ariana Grande's house. Now, if you told yep. me it was with Ariana Grande, we would break <laughs> the internet. But if it wasn't, that's okay, too. I wish. I wish. No. <laughs> I had a lovely kiss. And it was um, one of the Motor Maybell, Motormouth Maybell um, boys. <laughs> Perfect. And, yeah. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to continue this amazing time. And so I went to Disneyland the next day and um, I actually ran into Ariana there. I had no idea that she was going to be there. Isn't that, isn't that wild? And so I, I run up to her. I said, Ariana and her security guard grabs me. And I said, wait, she's my friend. <laughs> like he cares. And, yeah. um, and then she was like, Oh, Maddie. Hey. And then we rode some rides together and it was just, it, it, that was a surreal yes. few days. And then are people like strategizing and trying to figure out like, okay, what's next for our girl? Yeah. And you know, I'm writing on cloud nine. And like I said, that was my first professional audition. So I was like, okay, this is going to be easy now. This is good. I'm going to get everything. (laughs) People are going to send me offers. It didn't happen that way. There were um, almost, I think a year had passed before I booked my next gig, which was Dumplin', um, which was an amazing experience as well. Um, but I do, I have an amazing team and my team's even better now. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. And then, so I lived in um, LA for uh, about three years after that. And I decided, I, I mean, I miss theater. I miss theater. I need to go back to New York. So I went back to New York, had a few great auditions, um, got very close to one, um, didn't get it. But then I booked Cinderella, which moved me to London 
And that's um, what I wanted to know. Where did you shoot it? I am such a fan of pop music and classic tropes being weaved in. It has a Moulin Rouge sort of feel. And oh, it does. um, It's just so awesome. Um, And now there you are in London, surrounded by an incredible cast. And now your new mother is not Margaret (laughs) Firestein, but now your new mother is Idina Menzel. So pretty close, that's pretty pretty, similar. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) twins. Um, Twins. Was, tell me about what the experience is, and James Corden as producer and a mouse. um, Tell me, and another pop star at the center of it, um, how do you make a movie like that? And how long does it take? How fun was it? Um, Do you like playing a mean girl because you're the (laughs) nicest person ever? What was that like to take on? Well, so I went out there in January of 2019. Is that right? No, 2020. 2020. January 2020. So coronavirus hadn't happened yet. Um, So, But a minute away, like two months later. But a minute away. Yeah. Yes. So I went out there in January and... um, you know, I hadn't worked for two years. So I was like, okay, got to get back into the mode of things, got to figure out how this works. And, um, and everyone, it it was, it was pretty seamless. Um, And I told Adina the first day, I said, look, okay, I got to get this out. You're my everything. I want to be you. I'm so glad you're playing my mom. This is unreal. This is surreal. And she was just the best. Um, So then coronavirus happened in March, um, which moved me back to Texas for a few months. And it was really difficult being in Texas. During, Wait, so you know, production shuts down. Shuts down. Shuts so it down. must be very shocking because you're mid, are you hearing rumors? Like maybe, I, I mean, what, yeah, what nobody knows what's going on. Yeah. Nobody knows what's going on. We don't know when we're going to go back. We don't know if the mu- the movie is even going to happen. Um, But thankfully, you know, it it was, we didn't go back until August, I believe. Um, So we went back to London and everyone's wearing masks now um, and face shields. And um, it's, it's so careful now. And we're all, you know, we're staying together at this hotel um, and we're taking like walks on the countryside and, you know, do can't they really have do you all quarantine. Sorry to interrupt. Do they have you no, all okay. quarantine at first for a while? Are you stuck? Yes. You know, are you in your room by yourself for a yes. while? I'm in How my long? room by myself in London for two weeks. Um, but it ended up being longer because, you know, you just, you hurry up and wait. So right. I, I, I hurried up to London and then waited, you know, it was supposed to be two weeks, but it ended up being about a month before I actually started working again. Mm-hmm. I think what's really special about this take on Cinderella is that, you know, it's a, it's a twist on the, on the classic fairy tale. Um, It's a feminist, it's a version, it's empowering. And really we're not evil. The the sisters aren't evil. I don't, I hope I'm allowed to say this. I think I am. We, we love Cinderella and we, this movie just shows that we're products of um, the way that we're raised and, you know, our mother in the film, she has a lot of problems. And so of course her daughters do too. Um, but I think I, I'm, I think that's a nice twist that I'm excited for people to see. And did you, is this also a case where you pre-record all of the songs and then how does that work? Yes. So we pre-recorded the songs in the studio and, um, and then we, we sing along with ourselves for the film. 
That's what I wanted to know. So you're not lip syncing, you're singing. Yes. Yes, we're singing along. Okay. And by the way, I just, I just have to say, Adina, I swear she is in her prime. She, she went full out every time um, when she didn't need to. And her voice, oh, it's just like diamonds. I can well, feel it right now. I'm getting shivers. I had the great fortune of getting to watch the movie. And <gasps> Did you? Uh, yes. And she's phenomenal. She's phenomenal. She's yeah. hilarious. She is real. She's stunningly beautiful. You guys are so believable as a family. She's hilarious. Everyone, Mini Driver. And, mm-hmm. and of course, we can't forget Camila Cabello, who I thought yeah. did an astonishing job. Oh, she's um, a movie star. She's a complete, I mean, we knew that she's, she's an incredible anything. singer and performer for huge stadiums, but the camera loves her in the most intimate way. The three of you as sisters are believable and hilarious and charming. And (laughs) I loved it. I mean, this is so up my alley. This is so the kind of movie I was born to love. And so it, you know, I I come to it with um, a very open mind and open heart. And then we have Billy Porter at the center of it. So who's just the greatest fairy godmother anyone could wish for. Congratulations on on finding a way to continue to surprise us and bring such a unique take on every character that you have done. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you're so at day one of what is going to be such a long and extraordinary career. And I am so yeah. excited to kind of see what happens, like what Thank happens from self-tapes and beyond, um, Broadway needs you to actually oh. be on a Broadway stage. So do I call someone? I don't, you know, if, is there like a petition that I sign? Please um, tell me. Yes, I <laughs> Thank really- you. Thank you so much. I really think that will be just the most exciting thing for all of us to get to safely and vaccinated, see you mm. perform uh, on Broadway stage. Um, I feel oh. like- I've said thank you for your amazing gifts. Um, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for your honesty and vulnerability. Before I let you go, is there a little known fact about you that you can share? Yes, of course. So I was I was trying to decide between two. Um, and I think you I'll do go not with- have to decide. You can share two little known facts okay. if you feel generous. Two little known facts. The first one is pretty short. Um, I do not grow hair in my left armpit. Um, second one is, <laughs> um, I, I mean, it is a little known fact. Um, second is, <laughs> in high school, I auditioned for American Idol. And I made it like, I think two or three rounds in before they start you know, putting you on TV. Um, and so for my second audition, Third, I can't remember. Um, I sang Take Me or Leave Me from Rent, um, another full circle moment. Um, and, you know, uh, one of the producers said, okay, uh, it's you have a great voice, but it's just, it's a little too Broadway for, for this competition. I thought, okay, fair, fair. That is fair. Um, and I recognized um, the people who were in the room. And I recognized that Michael Orland was the music director of of American Idol. And then five, six years later, I did Hairspray and he was the music director for Hairspray. And I said, you guys told me that I was too Broadway. And he said, well, I just love stories like that because you know, it all worked out. 
Maddie, that is so incredible. That is so, the full circle moments, the real full, like the total full circle moment would be if suddenly hair started growing out of your armpit right now. And and we could completely like sew that up because that was the only thing left that wasn't completely, um, I don't know, wrapped up. You are the loveliest. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you so much. This was such an honor. Thank you. One more thing. So many of you have asked, how do you donate to the podcast? Well, it could not be easier. Just go to littleknownfactspodcast.com slash donations. Instructions are clearly laid out. And I'm so grateful to you in advance for any donation you choose to make. But regardless, I have loved, loved, loved making the previous 200 and something episodes for you. I can't wait to make 200 more. I wish you a beautiful day. Stay healthy. Be safe. Until next time. The episode was edited by Nicholas Clark. We recorded in New York City. And the Little Known Facts theme song was written and recorded by Georgia Famusa with backups by Caleb Famusa. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.